to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Hey, before I get into the word, my name is uh, Tommy Spencer. I get the opportunity to be the family pastor. Jeff is uh, going, he's just went over to the ark. Our, our senior pastor, and he is getting a chance just to encourage the graduates and their families. There's about 150 of them in the ark right now that will come into the 11 o'clock service. And so I know you won't uh, be there and see them, but how many of you, lift your hand, how many of you commit to pray for our graduates and their families? Come on, come on. When you see them, you know they need us in their lives to continue to reach out to them, pray for them, and be with them. So we'll be celebrating them in our next service. But before I uh, move forward, I do want to uh, honor. Um, I, I, uh, I can remember being an eighth grader in Vernon, Texas, where I grew up. And uh, my, my, I mean, my childhood, uh, it was as, as many of yours, it had its ebbs and flows. And as an eighth grader, just kind of going through um, a hard season, trying to figure out what is life all about. And just, uh, you know, just coming into those years. And I can go back to the place in my backyard where I was mowing the yard. Come on, somebody. Does anybody else, the Holy Spirit, speak to you when you're mowing? I don't know. It it, it happens, all right? And I can remember in that moment just the impression of the Lord just saying to me as an eighth grader mowing that yard, today, Tommy, everything changes for your life. And I wouldn't know in that moment what was actually going on until a few weeks, few months later. But here's what was happening in that moment when the the Father's heart through the Holy Spirit impressed upon me. There was a man named Zane and his wife named Candy who were moving into Vernon, Texas. And they would become our, our student pastors at Calvary Baptist Church that would lead me to see what it looked like to follow Jesus. And at the age of 16, I would confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and the two of them would be there. And so I want to just acknowledge Zane and Candy and say thank you for living out your yes to Jesus. Will you guys just honor this husband and wife and just their call to ministry? This is James and Rachel's son-in-law and daughter. Gavin was baptized. And I'm honored to be here as God's son, but I'm thankful that he used you in mine and my wife's life because we would fall in love in that youth group, and you guys would be a big part of that journey. So thank you. Thank you. You know it blesses God when we honor those that God uses in our life and in our testimony. And so if you don't get anything out of today, think now who God used in your life. And if they're still alive and you're able to reach out to them through a text or a phone call, would you just bless their life by just telling them, Thank you that you lived out your yes because God used you to help me say yes too. I want you to take your Bibles, and we're going to get to John 14 in just a moment. We're not going to get there yet. But Pastor Jeff preached um, a message on Easter Sunday, and it was called, What's Your Easter Story? And how many know that that resonated, I mean, probably with all of us in this room, because if you didn't know, if you knew Jesus, you went back and thought through the day that you gave your heart to Christ, but if you didn't know Jesus, it caused you to, 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 to draw closer. 
And what happened as a result of that day, there were numerous of those who stood in both of those services and prayed to receive Jesus Christ. Several were baptized on that day. We've baptized several since. How many know that we are coming up on a year and a half where we've almost seen 150 people say yes to Jesus and follow in baptism? Is that worth celebrating? Come on. Come on. That's what God's doing. And that, that message that Pastor Jeff preached, if you didn't hear it, go back to the Easter Sunday. What's your Easter story just leading us? Has there been a time where you confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead and then you made a public profession of your faith and then you followed in believers' baptism, took that first step of obedience because that is our salvation story. That is our Easter story. Because of the yes of Jesus, I'm saying yes too, but watch. Then I heard the Lord just in preparation for this morning's service just ask this question will you ask the people today the next step what's your Pentecost story see we if you've prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you have a salvation Easter story because Jesus said yes he laid down his life he didn't stay in that grave he got up out of that grave on the third day he showed himself what to the disciples for the next 40 50 days that led to an event called Pentecost and he gave them some instructions that you were to what to wait and then there's gonna be the what the promise of the Father the Holy Spirit the gift of Jesus the Holy Spirit and Pentecost would happen We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would come and that would birth the New Testament church. And I'm just here to testify today that was not a one time event. That's a 24 hours a day, seven days a week that when you say yes to Jesus, now you get to take a step of faith and begin your what? Pentecost story. Is anybody following me this morning? Because I don't know about you, the Bible didn't say go into all the world and make converts. The Bible said what? Go into all the world and make disciples. And I want to say to you, as part of the leadership of this church, it's not our goal just to get someone to say yes and to get them wet. It's our, our desire to then walk with people in step with the Holy Spirit of God so that they know they never have to live another day in their own strength. They always get to live every day in His strength strength. We've got a a class coming in June. It'll take place those four Sundays in June in the 11 o'clock service in the ark called Essential Steps, and it's going to help new believers, whether you've just recently received Christ or you just were like, you know what, I, I, I still feel kind of immature in my faith. We're going to talk about salvation. We're going to talk about the power of the word. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how you serve in the church. Why? Because Jesus said it is finished and we want to be a part of what others being able to say yes to. So if you got an Easter story, I got good news for you. You actually have a Pentecost story, and all I want to do is let the Lord give you an invitation today to take another step in your journey with the Holy Spirit of God. Can we do that this morning? Okay, a few of you. Can we do that this morning? I I do. I, I, I want you to draw in. Everything we read today is straight from the heart of God. And no matter what's been your experience or what you've seen someone else's experience when it comes to the Holy Spirit of God, listen to me in love. Don't let your current experience, lack of, let someone else's experience rob you of the experience that God wants you to have today and for the rest of your life. Because if the Holy Spirit is a gift, how many of you know I want to get all of it? 
And can we just acknowledge the fruit of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit? Can we all say it together? Here we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What's wrong with that? Isn't that what we all want to walk in? So what's your Pentecost story? Because that's all that the Father wants to do. He didn't just give the Holy Spirit so the New Testament church could begin. He gave the Holy Spirit so that from that beginning, every day, how many know the kingdom's been advanced every day since the outpouring of Pentecost? It's still being advanced today. Why? Because of the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. So what is Pentecost? Before we jump into John 14, what is it? Pentecost is, your pastors preached on this before. It's just, it literally means 50. In the Old Testament, this was the festival of the Feast of Weeks because it was seven weeks in a day. You can read about it in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 through 22. Most of us, when we get to Leviticus, we just read right over it, don't we, all right? Okay, and I get that. I understand that. But this, this is important because Jesus was taking something familiar to what they had done up to that point, but he was going to make it brand new. So just for the easy purposes, the Old Covenant Feast of Weeks was basically them giving the first fruits of their harvest back unto the Lord. And one of the ways they did that was through two leavened loaves of bread. When I say leavened, it's not something we talk about a lot, but more times than not, when you talk about leaven, especially in the Old Testament, it's referring to sin. How many know that the Bible in the Old Testament says our righteousness was like filthy rags? But can I tell you, there's a new covenant, and there's been the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and now my righteousness is not based upon me. My righteousness is based upon the righteousness of Jesus. That ought to make somebody smile. Because I'm not presenting something that's filthy before the Lord anymore if I know what my Pentecost story is and how I get to what? Galatians 5, keep in step with the Spirit. And every day I get to present myself. See, in the Old Covenant, they would present leavened bread that, and there were two loaves. I believe it was Jew and Gentile all the way from the beginning. And all they could do was present the best of what they had to offer in their flesh. I just got to stand before you and testify if only the best God got from me in my flesh, my best is not going to look very good. And so at the outpouring of Pentecost, guess what happens now? The Jesus, all right, who is the righteousness of God, who declares us righteousness when we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We've been given his gift. How many of you know that I want to present the first of my fruits every day back to him, and it's the righteousness of his Son and the righteousness of the Holy Spirit that reminds me, if I'll just tell you, John 14, here's the role of the Holy Spirit for the believer. It's to convince you you're righteous. You know why? Because the enemy's trying to convince you you're not. And whoever wins out in that, 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 that basically, that, um, those, those, the voices that you're hearing, if I let the enemy convince me I'm unrighteous, how does that usually work for the next choice you make? See, if I listen more to the enemy, the schemes of him, then I'm going to make more choices that bring consequence to myself and to others. Why? Because I'm not living out my Pentecost story that started with my Easter story. And so today is the day that the Holy Spirit reminds me and reminds you, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're the righteous son of God. You're the righteous daughter of the king. And today we're going to keep in step with the Spirit. And in my marriage and in my family and in my workplace, they're going to see what Pentecost looks like. 
because I'm giving God my first fruits. And really, it's just all of him back to him. Amen? So in my weakness, guess what? He is strong. Can we say he is strong? He is strong how? Through the Holy Spirit. Look at John. So really a definition of Pentecost is simply this. God equipping and filling his church, which is his bride, his sons and daughters, with the power of the Holy Spirit so that he will be glorified among the nations. And I, I just want to be a part of that. You know why he hasn't returned yet? The Bible says this, he is patient, not wanting any to suffer. So how many of you know I can walk in the Holy Spirit and exercise patience with the world that we live in, knowing that the next lost person I encounter could be the introduction they need to say yes to Jesus too, so that when Jesus comes again, and how many know he's coming again, they'll be ready that day. Amen? Do you have a Pentecost story? Do you have a Pentecost story? I want to say you do. But are you acknowledging it? We're going to get to a word submission here in just a moment that will help us live this out. Look at John 14, verses 15 through 17. Man, my heart is happy. I, I pray that you, as we read these words this morning, it's not just words we read on a page. It's a person we get to encounter, the word made flesh. This is Jesus' words, and this is the fulfillment of his life. And I'm just saying, Father, if you said it, I'm believing it, and let the Holy Spirit work it out in me that you be glorified. John 14, 15 just says, if you love me, and I bet every one of you would say, yes, I do love you, you will obey what I command. Verse 16, and so here's what Jesus does. Why is it important, Pentecost? Why is it important, our Holy Spirit journey? Look at what Jesus prays. And I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another counselor to be with you forever. It's the spirit of truth. This is the language of Jesus praying. I, Father, want them to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and he'll be in you. And even verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. Come on, that's good news. Because why? We're going to come make our home in your heart. Everybody put your hand on your heart. All right. You feel the heartbeat. You can't do that. God's doing that. But I want you to know something as sons and daughters. There's times where you need to put your hand on your heart and not only just feel the physical heartbeat and the physical breath, but how many know then you need to take that hand and go, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. God, remind me what the Father has said. Remind me what he is saying. Remind me of the example of Jesus. Because here's why it's important. If Jesus prayed that we would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, then I want to be an answer to that prayer. What's your Pentecost story? Look at verse 25 down there. I don't have the words for you. It says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave you. Peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You need to tell the person on your right or left, don't let your heart be troubled this morning. I know the enemy wants to make you feel like you're troubled and overcome, and it doesn't diminish anything that you're currently walking through. It just reminds you, if you're trying to do it apart from the Holy Spirit of God, stop. You've been given the Father's heart through the yes of Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit so you can, what, in the midst of anxious thoughts, worries, and fears, I still know that peace is my inheritance, and his name is Jesus. 
Isn't that good? I, I, hope, I hope you just hear the Father's heart for you today. Because I know before I began my Pentecost story, all right, I know when we pray to receive Jesus Christ, I believe, I, I'm not going to unpack all of it theologically. I believe we get everything and more that we need when we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But I think something happens when the believer begins to what? Submit fully to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. How many of you know you still have a choice in that? Because here's how I know. Did you know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit? Ephesians says that. That lets you know it's a person. Do you know how we grieve the Holy Spirit? When we fail to acknowledge him and ask him what the Father says in that current moment that you're experiencing. You'd never have to go through life experience apart from God. And let the Holy Spirit remind you of those truths. Acts 10.38 is the example of Jesus. The Father poured the Spirit into the Son so that he could go about doing good things, healing all those who were oppressed. John 8, 28 and 29 say that Jesus said, I only say what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see my Father doing. How many of you know that your, your marriage and your family, all right, would only walk in extra measures of blessing if I'll just take my ownership of this? Jesus, I only want to say. Father, I only want to say what I hear you saying. I only want to do what I see you doing. How can I know what he's saying and how can I know what he's doing? It's in the Holy Spirit. Amen? And now in my marriage, I get to respond with my Pentecost story that wasn't a one-time event that happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because how many know God's not holding out on us? He pours his spirit out in greater measure. Do you know how I know this is also important? Matthew 720 says that by the fruit you'll recognize those who belong to me. Now, this is not a trick question. How many of you want to be recognized as one of God's sons and daughters on the day where he comes back? Or if you passed before, what does the Bible say? How are you going to be recognized? By the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God. So how many of you would agree Pentecost is pretty darn important? And I want to get in on that every day of my life until he takes me from this world or until he comes and puts his face, his feet on this world. I don't have to do it apart from him. So how do I know if I'm living out my Pentecost story? Look at Romans 7. So here's some of those verses that we read. And how many of you know the enemy can take some scriptures and he can twist them just enough and use them against you? If he tried to do that with Jesus, I promise you he's trying to do that with you. And I think what's happened in this Pentecost story is a lot of believers have read Romans 7 and they never read Romans 8. See, something happens between Romans 7 and Romans 8 in Paul's life, and I believe it's the gift of submission. And so I want to show you something in Romans chapter 7, and I'm just going to pick up. You can go back and read all of this. But these are Paul's words, and listen and see if this doesn't sound familiar with how we can go about our everyday life as someone who's confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but not in step with the Spirit. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's the sin living in me. How many of us have blamed the enemy for our own choices? You see it? You see, I get it. The enemy's a deceiver and a liar, but he didn't make you choose. He just dangled it in front of you. Who ultimately makes the choice? 
I know we don't like to hear that. It's me. If I step outside the will of God and I'm not walking in step with the Spirit, I'm going to easily give in to that deception or that lie. I'm going to start believing things that are not true about God, and I'm going to start believing things that are not true about me. And I'm going to blame it on the enemy. And I get it. The enemy's a punk. But last time I read the Word of God, his works have been destroyed. The cross disarmed him. Come on, somebody. We give the enemy power when we choose to entertain his accusations. And I'm just saying in the Holy Spirit of God, stop entertaining his accusations and remind the enemy, let me tell you what my father says. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. And you will remind the enemy he's the one who's defeated and not you or your family. Can I tell you, someone in your family right now needs you to respond to them in the Holy Spirit and not out of your flesh. See, submission to us is this, if you, I will. Submission according to the word of God is this, because Jesus did, I do. Let me say that again. We see submission this way, if you will, I will. Tell me how that works in a marriage when you got two people not walking in step with the Holy Spirit of God. They're waiting on the other one. And here's what I want to say to you. Let both of you wait upon God in the Holy Spirit, and you'll start coming to each other and reconcile in his strength, in his words, and you'll experience the victory and blessing that Jesus gave his life for. Come on. That, that's our God. That's who he is. So I'm going to stop blaming the enemy. And watch this. I'm going to start reminding the enemy and the authority that I've been given in Jesus Christ your works are dead, and mine are alive in step with the Holy Spirit of God, and God's going to get the glory the next time the tempter comes. Mm. I don't know if you're happy, but I'm happy, all right? Golly, he's good. Lord, help us get our Pentecost story. It's not a one-time event. It happens every day of every moment, and I just want to walk in the fullness of it. Verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, for what I do is not good. I want to do, know the evil I do not do, this I keep on doing. I'm, we're just describing people's lives right here. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. Look at verse 21, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And then Paul just says it, what a wretched man am I. Because if Romans 8 didn't exist, we'd be in trouble. If Pentecost didn't exist, we'd be in trouble. But I'm going to tell you, Romans 8 is here, and Pentecost happened, and it's still happening. Because look at verse 25, and somebody better just underline this, highlight this. The end of verse 20 says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Can we just say that out loud? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. 
So if we just stop there, there's no, re- there's no wonder why we struggle the way we struggle. Paul is just being real, and he's just acknowledging to those he's teaching this from, this is what the law produced. This is what the two leaven pieces of loaf produced on the Feast of Weeks. It was them trying to do their best apart from God. But you and I have Pentecost on our side of our Easter story. And Romans 7, I want to say this to you in love, is not your story. If you have an Easter story, you got a Pentecost story. So let's look at Romans 8. Therefore, there is no condemnation. Is anybody thankful there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? The enemy wants us to feel convicted and guilt and shame and all those things. And I just want to remind you, when you feel those things, that's your indicator. Holy Spirit, remind me. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The arm of the Lord is not too short to save. His ear is not too dull to hear. Verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit did what? Set me free from the law of sin and death. If you just need to see it again, look at it. The law of what? The Spirit of God set me free. For what the law was powerless to do and that it weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man. He is the sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the, the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but how? But according to the Spirit of God. Verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what? That nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on the Spirit's desires. Lord, may the desires of my heart match the desires of your heart, and the Holy Spirit will tell me what that is. Verse 6, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. What's your Pentecost story? Do you see the exchange? Verse 7, here it is. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. But those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So basically it's a question, am I willing to submit or am I going to continue to be selfish? Look at verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if you've got an Easter story, he does. And if anyone does not have that Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Galatians says it this way, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ, and now he's what's alive. Can we say he's alive in my life? Come on, he's alive in my life. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. It says, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive. There it is because of righteousness. That's what I get to present in my Pentecost story, in step with the Holy Spirit to the Lord. And if there's anything that doesn't look like that, guess what? I get to what? Confess one to another. I get to confess to the Lord in the Holy Spirit. I get to what? Bring that into the light. If you currently have sin in your life, guess what? Then the Holy Spirit wants to help you bring that into the light so the enemy cannot use that against you anymore. Come on. That's, that's the role of the Spirit, even when we find ourselves in willful sin. How many have a prodigal part of your story that's in the middle of your Easter and Pentecost story? We all do. Aren't you thankful for the mercy and grace of God? 
but I'm not going to let my prodigal season define my destiny. I'm going to let the yes of Jesus define my destiny. And the Holy Spirit's going to remind me of that. It goes on to say, I hope you're still with me, all right? And verse 11, and that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, and it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. How can we make that any clearer? For if you live according to the sinful nature, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because why? Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to get into fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father, man, you can cry out to your father 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the Holy Spirit's there to remind you of that. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If you're looking for an identity, just start right there. I'm God's beloved. He is for me. He's not against me. And the Holy Spirit's role is going to remind me what's true about God and what's true about myself so that the next choice I made is based upon the choice Jesus made and the choice the Spirit's helping me make. Why? So that God be glorified and the nations will know that Jesus is the Lord and Savior too. See how this comes full circle? What's your Pentecost story? And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. We are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs. Come on, somebody. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also might share in his glory. How many of you know we are not waiting for an inheritance? Come on. It's already been given. The kingdom of heaven's what already been poured out. And there's been a table set before you. Our pastor taught on it. Everything that is available in the kingdom of heaven is available to us right now. If you're going without, that's not a statement about God. That's a statement about us. What's your Pentecost story? And if you want to see this played out then, and Pentecost, by the way, is next Sunday. All right? It's next Sunday. That's the 50 days from this Easter, all right, if you want to see this played out, Acts chapter, I'm almost done. You guys are awesome, man. I want you just to see this. This is where we get the event, but it's not just an event. This is the believer's promise of the Father. This is the gift of Jesus. Acts 1, look at what uh, Jesus tells them, verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. There's our invitation to submit. For the gift my father promised with which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is for it's not for you to know the time of the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when what? The Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How many of you know that's the Great Commission in step with the Holy Spirit of God? 
That is our invitation. What did the disciples do? They waited. They submitted. And in that waiting, in that submission, what did God do? You read in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, you see that Holy Spirit came. He was poured out. Guess what? 3,000 were added to the number that day. Acts 2, 38. 39, I don't have time to unpack it all. You can go read Acts chapter 2. But then Peter says, repent, be baptized, every one of you. There's your Easter story in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's your Pentecost story. And this promise is for you and who? Your children and all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Come on, somebody. If you've been told the Holy Spirit no longer works, that sounds more like the enemy than it sounds like the Father. The Holy Spirit is alive and well and invites us 24-7, what, just to submit our hearts, humble ourselves. How many of you, submission, when you hear that word, you don't think strength, you think weakness. And I just want to say to you, it's the gift of the Father for us to submit And we get to walk in our Pentecost story. Guess what the Bible says for marriages? It says what? Mutually submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Do you know where that starts? As a son and as a daughter, we submit ourselves to the Lord. And then we submit right here. And guess who gets eyes and ears to see that? Our children do. Who then we get to read in Ephesians 6. What does it say? Children, obey, honor, submit what? To your parents. What if I said to all the parents in the room, what if you're the revelation God wants to use for your kids so they know what submission looks like? It starts with my heart with his, Lana's heart with his. We get to mutually submit one to another. We get to be the examples of what it looks like to call on the Holy Spirit when we don't know what to do, but we know God does. Real quickly. So when Lana's dad passed, We're in a military base. We prayed for a miracle. We were believing he's going to get up and leave that hospital. And it didn't happen that way. But he breathed his last. And I'm thankful that we both knew he maybe breathed his last here. But because he was willing to humble himself and submit himself, how many of you know that he breathed his first there? And in that moment, as a husband, I want to bring comfort to my wife. And how many of you know that sometimes... We don't have the words, but when I got a Pentecost story, I know my God has the words. And so I remember just asking the Lord, God, what is it that you're saying in this moment? I mean, he had just taken his last breath, and there was a lot of things that happened around that story, but I heard Psalm 121. See, I wanted to be there for my wife, and the best way I could be there was by inviting the Holy Spirit to come says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. How good is our God? There's still grief. There's still heartbreak. But we invited what? The voice of God to come into that moment and to begin to bring his peace and presence and his healing. Because that's how good our God is. In our marriage, I can remember when we were in a season of just being at each other. I wanted to be right. She wanted to be right. Come on, somebody. How does that work in your marriage? It doesn't work in your marriage. 
But if you'll let the Pentecost story play out and mutually, watch this, submit first your heart. I want to, what am I doing? I'm submitting to God's heart, his mission. I know he has a plan for our marriage that I just want to align my heart with. And I can remember the first time back in Vernon, Texas, where I finally was slow to speak, quick to listen. And instead of letting the argument play out, just our hearts opened up and we submitted to God and we invited his presence to come by way of the Holy Spirit. And guess what happened? We submitted to God. We resisted the devil. We didn't resist each other. The enemy is the enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. And the enemy had to get up and go and the presence of God came. And that began a new way on how we dealt with conflict, not apart from God, but with God. And now our faith got to grow together because how many know conflict's going to come? So now draw near, knowing that God draws near to you. And somebody humble themselves, submit themselves to the Lord and let the Holy Spirit do what he was intended to do. He's the best counselor I know. Come on, somebody. He's the best guide I know. He's the best comforter I know. He's the best one who knows the word. When's the last time you just sat down and said, Holy Spirit, you're the best teacher I know. Will you teach me what God's saying right here? Because he will. I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And I, I just want to ask you just in these final moments, we're going to have some ministry teams available. There's going to be a, another time just to worship here. But I want to just give us a moment. Because Luke 11, 18 just makes it real simple. Luke eleven thirteen 13 just makes it real simple. Jesus is basically saying, if you then, though you are evil, he's talking to the disciples, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? Some of you are like, well, what do I do? Well, let me just tell you, the Bible just said, just ask. It's not hard. So right here in this room, right now, if you know you're a son or daughter, you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I, I believe you, you, got, you got it all. The key is, are you submitting 24-7? Holy Spirit, come. I don't want to ever say something apart from you. I don't ever want to do something apart from you. So, Father, I'm just asking you, come Fill me with greater measures right now. Ephesians, I think it's 4.18, says be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is that? That's just that feeling. He just keeps coming and fills us. It's not a one-time event. It's opportunity every day of every week. So I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. I'm going to ask you guys just to stand. I'm going to pray for us. And really today, the invitation, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, take that step first. But if you've given your heart to Jesus, and you know you need to take that next step on your Pentecost journey, your Holy Spirit journey, man, just take a step. Come down to this altar. Turn towards someone that you know is right there, and you guys just pray together. Holy Spirit, come. We don't ever want to say something or do something apart from you from this day forward. So there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. No matter where you are in this journey, today there's an invitation to take that next step with him. So, Father, we give you our yes. Like right now, just breathe the Holy Spirit in. Come, Holy Spirit. You're our strength. You're our peace. You're our joy. You're our counselor. You're our healer. And we just say, whatever you say yes to that the Father said, we say yes to. So we love you and bless you in Jesus' name.
Amen. You respond as God leads you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.